0: to talk about cursing. And we're going to talk about, uh, and, and cursing, sure, in the, in the traditional sense, uh, using foul language, but also the idea of what uh, just unhealthy language that we use each and every day can do not only to ourselves, but to the people around us. And so <laughs> I like the, the title of the message, The Art of Grawlix. Um That's really, that's really neat. Really fun, um, and that's my big word for the day: growlaks. <laughs> so today, our, ma- our main verse that we want to take a look at is Proverbs eighteen verses uh, eighteen and verse twenty-one. It's here in the message uh, notes. Uh, if you want to take a look at that with me, the tongue has the power of life. And death, Proverbs 18, 21. Let's, let's all grab this together. Let's read it out loud together. I know we already did the memory verse, but this one is super important. It's going to be kind of the, the main focus of all of our messages today. So we're going to read this together. Ready? The tongue has the power of life. And, oh, did you guys actually say anything? Let's try that again. Let's read it. Let's, let's get some energy going in here this morning. The tongue has the power of life and death. Yeah, that was better. All right, we're getting there. So that's the idea... Of what we're going to be talking about today, that the tongue has the power of life and of death. And Now, this is a message that we've sort. Of, if you've grown up in the church, or you've been around church or or Scripture long enough, this is an idea that you have no doubt been uh, exposed to at some point in your in your walk, at some point in your uh, in your journey of faith. That the idea of the tongue, our words, being of life and both kill at the same time. And so that's what we're going to be talking about today, that's what we're going to be diving in today. Now, I was telling uh, uh, Jeff and and them back there that uh, when Dad has me fill in, uh, he sends me these manuscripts sometimes where I'm supposed to write my notes from and sort of draw the sermon together from that. And uh, the manuscript had this really long, confusing diatribe about swearing and about what, what Mic with? am I not loud enough? <laughs> there it is um, so so there was this really long diatribe about uh, about how swearing or cursing or using foul language uh, all goes traces all the way back to Genesis and the uh, uh, the first curse that was ever spoken was by God and uh and so what I'm gonna I, I'm, I'm not gonna Go into that whole diatribe. Really, it was sort of a weird, confusing road that he went down. So um, I'm just going to spare you that. Um, but what the idea, the root idea that we want to remember, is that ultimately, foul language, cursing, or the idea of putting a curse on someone, has its roots in the original text of Genesis. In in Genesis, when God is in the garden with Adam and Eve, and he talks, and it talks about cursing. Uh, both Satan, the snake, serpent, uh, and Adam and Eve. That's where we get this idea, the, uh, the root idea of the, the cursing that we experience even today has its origin in God's original curse. And so here in the, uh, in your notes, we're gonna, uh, talk about a few things here on that front page. That, uh, in Hebrew, the word, the word harem, uh, is, sort of the uh, the root idea, the root word for curse in the Old Testament. And in the New Testament, in the Greek, it's anathema. And so those two words, uh, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, are where we get this idea, this root, this root word, uh, curse. And so, like we were saying just a second ago, it goes all the way back to Genesis, chapter 3, where the serpent was cursed for the uh, trickery that he pulled on Adam and Eve. And then later, in the next chapter, we see that Cain was cursed as a result of killing his brother. And one thing that we want to keep in mind is that curses are completely under God's control. And we see that in 1 Kings, in chapter 8. Now, we could take a look at each and every one of these verses, and I certainly would encourage you to do that. Um, But in the interest of time, we'll just have those in our notes. And so if you want to look these up later, which I so encourage doing, uh, please do that for your in your personal study time. And so in 1 Kings chapter 8, verses 31 and 32, uh, it talks about the curses, that curses are completely under God's control. And later in 1 Samuel and Proverbs, we see that a curse cannot be placed on an innocent person. But the one thing that we want to keep in mind, one of the things that we want to keep in mind when we think about this idea that curses are, are completely under God's control is that... What that really means is that cursing or using foul language or using language that does not build up someone else is us in an act of defiance against God. Because cursing is something that only God can do. You see, ultimately, cursing is just trying to put a curse on something or someone else. And we see here that unfaithfulness, unfaithfulness is the source of all curses. And only when we get to faithfulness in God, can we remove those curses. You see, the idea is that when we curse at something or someone, what we are trying to do is something that only God can do see only God can provide those curses and so when we do that it's a source of unfaithfulness it's a it's a byproduct it's a uh a, a symptom of unfaithfulness and that may seem like small uh, a small thing but really in the grand scheme of our faith it's not because only God can be God And the greatest curse is the curse of sin. And we see that in Romans 9, Galatians 3 and 21. But the cure for the curse of sin is the cross of Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about, through some some points here in just a minute, how to get to that. So, the goal, ultimately is to sort of flip this idea that we want to go from being, from having a curse or being cursed to being a blessing or having a blessing. And so what we're going to talk about today is, is how to do that, how to accomplish that. And so here in the middle of the, of the notes, the first thing that we're going to talk about is being aware of the truth about cursing. That first blank, be aware of the truth about cursing. In James chapter 3, verses 8 through 10, here written down for you, it says, The tongue is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. This is not right. If you have never read through the book of James, I would strongly encourage you to do so at some point in your study. Uh, The book of James does not pull any punches. (laughs) And it's a really great book to study from. And this is what I love about it. He says here that our tongues, our words, from our mouths come both blessing and cursing, and it shouldn't be that way. And so we want to be aware about the truth About cursing. So, here in, we've got a couple more things to fill in. We want to talk about things that we should curse. Now, what I mean by that is things that we should avoid. Because, I mean, obviously, we don't want to condone cursing, that's probably not healthy. (laughs) But there are some things that we should avoid because they are a part of this idea this grander uh, big picture idea of cursing or being cursed things like injustice prejudice abuse oppression blasphemy gossip or false teaching. Some things that... There are some really heavy things happening in our world today. Happening in our state today. In our town today. And we have to be aware... Of the truth of what a curse is and does. When we talk about injustice or prejudice, and I know this word gets thrown around a lot, and so I don't use it lightly, when we think about racism and oppression, where are we as Christians and churches? when people need us most. So what should we curse? What should we leave behind? What should we never touch with a 10-foot pole? Oppression and gossip. False teaching, blasphemy, injustice. And abuse and prejudice. People need to see blessing instead of cursing. And we're going to talk more about that here in just a minute. But these are some words that we need to remember when we think about the things that we need to leave behind, to not touch ever again. Injustice and oppression. So, what should we not curse? The Bible is pretty clear about the things that we should not curse. (laughs) it just really boils down to two things. We should never curse God and we should never curse other people. You see, I want to... So in the lesson, in the manuscript, it talks about... It gave an example. I was hesitant to use it, but whatever, I'll use it. (laughs) So the idea was... You know what is a what is a curse? When we talk about cursing, are we talking about uh, voodoo? Are we talking about witches or wizards? Ah, uh, not really, because I think ultimately that stuff we could probably all come to an, a, some sort of an agreement that overall the majority of that stuff is probably largely n- not real. <laughs> Now, sure, that there are some scary things in the world and there are some very interesting coincidences that happen in the world around us. I'm, I'm sure of that. However, when we talk about cursing, when we talk about this idea of cursing, I think what we're really focusing on is using foul language. Foul language to um, maybe make us feel better or maybe uh, something that just slips out. And so... In in the text, in the manuscript, it gave this example. Uh, think about the last time that you were doing some remodeling. This, for me, was probably a long, long time ago. <laughs> oh, like, okay, Misty's shaking her head, yes. Okay, great. <laughs> so, the last time, let's let's try and remember the last time you held a hammer. You know, just for, for you know, whatever's sake. So, let's say you're hanging up a picture or, or something. So you've got the nail, you're you're holding it there on the wall, and you've got the hammer, and you pull it back, and you're ready to give it a good good thwack. But you miss, and you hit your thumb. Now, I know most people in this room would probably just start singing hallelujah. (laughs) Lord Jesus, come right now, my thumb. Um... (laughs) But there are probably some who might hit their thumb and yell out something along the lines of, Ooh, Damn it! <laughs> now, was got really uncomfortable for a second. <laughs> now, think about what we're trying to do. Are we, are we, are we damning our thumb? No. The nail? Probably not. No, we're, we're probably damning the hammer, I guess. Right? I mean, ultimately, what we're trying to do is send a curse to the hammer. But can, but can that, is that possible? Can we, can we send a curse to an inanimate object? No. <laughs> no, we can't. And so at that point, it just becomes silly. And so what we need to do is think about, okay, how do we reshape? How do we, how do we refocus our mind to say something else instead of a curse? It's silly to curse an inanimate object. If it's easy for us to curse an inanimate object, how much easier is it for us to curse a living person? And so when we talk about the idea of cursing or using foul language, when we talk about the idea of what we should not curse, and the idea is we should never curse God... And we should never curse people. That's, that's where, that's, this is it. As believers, as people of faith, we should make every attempt to remove negative language from our speak. Because the atmosphere of our world currently needs more positivity. It's already too negative. And when people are looking for positive light, even if they hate church and even if they hate Christians, they expect it from us. And if we don't give it, Well. So what we should not curse is God and other people. Because the Bible is clear, scripture is clear that those are two things that need to remain sacred in our speech. God and people and others. Now let's move on to the next blank. We need to learn to think before I speak. Learn to think before I speak. And we see that in Proverbs chapter 15 and 23. It says, What a joy it is to find just the right word for the right occasion. In our memory verse from Psalm. Psalm 19. May the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Um, so I've, I've got a bit of a confession. I've been suffering for a long time from a disease to which there is little cure. Uh, and it's been affecting me for a long time in my life. You may have heard of it. It's called foot-in-mouth disease. And I, it's something that I struggle with every day. <laughs> uh, I'll give you another story that's uh, relatively PG-13. Um, when I was in high school... <laughs> I was uh, at dinner with my best friend, his name is Zach, and uh, we had, he had decided that he wanted for his birthday to go to Osaka, um, which was fine, just was great, I love Osaka. So, it was me and his family and another one of our friends, and uh, we were all sitting at the, at the table, if you've been, Osaka or Shogun is just those hibachi grills that cook in front of you, and so we're all sort of circled around it, and, um... Since we were in high school, we couldn't do anything too crazy, but they had these uh, specialty non-alcoholic drinks, uh, and so we had decided that together, because we are, were best friends, I mean, we'd known each other uh, at that point for uh, several years, uh, and so, uh, and still to this day, he's my best friend, so, I mean, he's, he's you know, the greatest, well, one of, well, maybe, maybe not, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um <laughs> But anyway, so, so we, were this, we were sitting there, we, were saw, we got the menus, we were looking at the drinks, we were like, okay, it's your birthday, we're going to do something special. So they had this non-alcoholic drink and it was called the Japanese Princess. I don't know why, that's just what it was called. So uh, the waitress has give, handed out the menus or whatever, she's gone to tend to something else and then she's, I see her coming back to our table. And so I look at her, or I look at Zach and I say, all right, are we still, we're still good for this drink, right? I just wanted to make sure, still good. He's like, uh, you know what, actually, I think I'm just going to get a Coke. And so I said, without thinking, obviously, and for the entire restaurant to hear, Zach, I'm not going to do the Japanese princess alone. And so his mom just sort of leaned forward because, you know, if you, it's like you're sitting in like a line. So she leaned forward and looked at me and said, Jeffrey, honey, let's think before we speak, okay? You got it. Foot and mouth disease. It's a terrible thing. Pray for me. I suffer from it daily. Just ask my wife. But that's the idea is we need to stop for even just a minute and think about what it is that we're going to say before we say it. In the, same, uh, in the same analogy we had earlier when we're hammering a picture onto the wall, if we had just stopped and maybe internalized the frustration of hitting our thumbs, then maybe the words wouldn't come flying out of our mouth. This was an interesting idea that, uh, that I came across. What if before we fly off the handle with our speech, we just for a second stop and think about the words that we're about to say being directed straight at Jesus? If Jesus in that moment was standing in front of us, the words that we're about to say being directed right to him, would that change our speech? So in those moments where we get so frustrated or when we are so uh, just not not thinking, in the moments where we think that we're being oppressed or when others are being oppressed and we want to address it publicly, what if Jesus was standing right in front of us and the words that we're about to say bring a blessing or bring a curse and so think before I speak the third blank that we want to talk about today is that we want to encourage others with our words we want to encourage others with our words and we see that in First Thessalonians, so speak encouraging words to one another. In Proverbs, the words of a gossiper are as self-inflicted wounds, and they have gone down to the inner parts of the heart. Encouraging others with words is, I think, something that the current atmosphere of our state and country and world have sort of left behind. <laughs> and it's unfortunate. Because I think a little encouragement goes a long way. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. Uh, when Bryant was giving his devotional, I started thinking of ideas and I was I almost changed the latter the second half of the sermon uh because he was giving me some good ideas. <laughs> when we talk about encouraging others with words how would that have changed some of the things that have happened around our country over the last year and a half? I don't Necessarily want to dwell on this too long, but I want us to really think about this for a minute. We're already talking about using such foul language. Let's think about this for just a minute. If we as a church and Christians collectively around this nation took even just a second to think about encouraging others with our words, would there be so much racial tension in this country? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe not. If we were encouraging others, would others start to see the benefit of encouraging words? And would that maybe ease some of the tension if we just all sat and talked like normal human beings to one another? And I certainly don't want to point the fingers because there's an old preacher joke that anytime you point fingers, there's three pointing right back at yourself. And so I think we're all just as guilty as everyone else. I know that I am. There are moments where I wish that I had been more encouraging. But he also made me think of this. I was born in nineteen eighty-two. And so I was I kind of grew up through the really fast technological advances that we made in the eighties and nineties. <laughs> and he I work in a in an industry now that's moving at the speed of light. <laughs> New technology stuff is coming out all the time. And when I work with customers, I I hear almost every day, "Well, I just I just didn't grow up with this stuff. So, man, you just you guys got this, you know, you kids have this down real good because you grew up with it." I think sometimes they I mean, they sometimes they forget how old I am or may not know or just are being very generous. <laughs> but I did grow up with some of it. And so, it it was, he was reminding me that, uh, you sort of, you should probably be nice to the people who are, who grow up around you because you never know when they might need to fix your iPhone. Or they need to fix a computer. (laughs) But the same rings true. We should be nice to those who are older than us because you may never know when you need advice. You may never know when you may need a helping hand from somebody who's already been through something that you're going through. And it can be it can be as easy as encouraging one another. Using encouraging language. Have you ever seen those social experiment videos online where people do whatever it is without the audience really knowing, without the person that they're interviewing really knowing what's going on? I saw one not too long ago, where people were uh, being interviewed, and and the interview wasn't very long. They would just pull them in front of a camera, and you wouldn't see the interviewer, you wouldn't see anybody else. You would just see the the person in front of it, a sort of white background, uh, and the person, the interviewer that was off camera would just tell them, hey, we just wanted to catch people's reactions. We've got a a short interview that we want to conduct with you today. We're just going to ask you a couple of questions. But really, what the video was about was getting somebody in front of the camera, no matter what they looked like, and the interviewer off camera simply said, I just wanted to tell you that you look really beautiful today. And man... People's reactions to that were very interesting to watch. Because it didn't matter who they are or where they had come from, each and every person that they put on camera and said, I just wanted to tell you today that you look beautiful. Didn't matter if they were man or woman. Each and every one of them left that interview smiling because of that one encouraging word. And of course there were a few of the people that were like, "No, I'm, I'm I'm really not like I just literally rolled out of bed." And the interviewer would just say, "Well, you're 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 working it. You're rocking it today. You look beautiful." They would never deviate from that word. "You look beautiful today." It's a powerful word. And so, when we think about encouraging others with our words, is that something that we're really doing each and every day? Cursing can only come from God. He is the only one in control of curses. When we do that, when we use foul language or when we, when we say negative things at people, it is an essentially an act of defiance we are trying to play god in some small way and we need to turn or run from that lastly on the back side of the of the notes the ultimate way that we Turn a curse to a blessing is by surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. Surrendering, surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. And we see this in Galatians 3. But those who depend on the law to make them right with God are under this curse. Consequently, it is clear that no one can ever be right with God by trying to keep the law. But Christ has rescued us from the curse pronounced by the law. When he was hung on the cross, he took upon himself the curse for our wrongdoing. For it is written in the scriptures, cursed is everyone who's hung on a tree. What this verse in Galatians is talking about is the people who were so focused on following the rules of their faith that they forgot about people. Now, I don't know, and I I certainly don't have the power to say that anyone would go to hell for using a curse word. But what I do know is that if we get so focused on rules and regulations and forget about loving and encouraging one another, then perhaps... Perhaps we've lost sight of what God really wants for us. And it's only by fully surrendering ourselves to Christ that we can take the curse that's on us. Because remember, the ultimate curse is sin. And the only way to get rid of that is by surrendering our whole selves to him. We talk about this all the time in church. It's, it's not I surrender some <laughs> or I surrender this half. We've got to surrender all. Darkness and oppression will always be a part of this world until the light shines through. And God has called us to share that light. And if we are only focused on the negative speech that we use in our lives, if we never make that turn and say, I'm going to only use the type of speech that I know would make God proud, then we're just furthering the problem. And so today, if you're here, and maybe it's, it's been a long time since you've really surrendered all, maybe you never have, I want to encourage you to think about that today. Maybe you need to be encouraged with something else. You feel like, maybe you feel like you, you're, you're good on that, but there's some other things that you need to look at Uh, giving over to God. And so maybe it's, let's challenge ourselves this week to only use encouraging language with the people that we encounter. Let's challenge each other this week. I want you to think about Oh, let's do this. I want you to think about a friend. Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's somebody else that's here. I want you to text each other through the week or call each other through the week. And I want you to say, hey, I'm actually actually doing pretty well. I've encouraged everybody that I've encountered today. Or maybe it'll be like, hey, you know what? I I struggled a little bit. This guy was really really driving me crazy. (laughs) But encourage each other to use encouraging language. Let's just for a week let's try to be encouraging each and every day to everybody that we encounter. Even the people that drive us up the wall. Even that one coworker that smacks his gum or chews his food with his mouth open. Let's encourage them this week. Or just that, that one that one child that just will never listen, no matter how many times you say it. Let's encourage each other. Let's challenge each other. Let's keep each other accountable this week. Let's make it a point to encourage each and every person that encounters each and every person here in this building. There's what, maybe 45 people here? I don't know. I can't count. doesn't matter. Let's just, let's just round up to 50. Let's say there's 50 people here. And each one of us encourages at least one other person this week. That's going to be 50 more people. And what if our encouragement to that person makes them want to encourage somebody else? That's another 50 people. Already, by day two, we're at 150 people that have felt encouraged. That can happen just from us, just from what we do here. And think about that as it perpetuates through the week. By the end of the week, we could have a thousand people in our community that felt encouraged this week that felt uplifted this week instead of broken down. And so if it's been a long time since you've surrendered or if you've never done that, I want to encourage you to think about that. But mostly today, grab a friend or a spouse or somebody here in this building. Let's keep each other accountable and let's encourage this week instead of discourage. Let's build up instead of tear down. Because our world, our country, our state, and our town needs people who are going to build up instead of tear down. We will never get past racism and oppression, people who feel like they've got nothing left to live for, until we start a fire in our churches, in our communities, of encouragement and building up. We can start that here. It doesn't matter how many people join us on each and every week on Sunday mornings. It only takes a handful of people to start a beautiful thing happening in our community. Let's do that this week. Father, thank you for the chance that we get to encourage one another. Father, thank you for this idea that we need to put off the negativity and the cursing and all of, all of the junk that we've got built up in our lives. But instead we need to be using speech that builds up, that encourages it, that, that makes people feel good about themselves. Father, sometimes the encouragement needs to start in the mirror. And so, Father, if if there are people here today who need encouragement and haven't heard it from anyone else, I ask that you would instill in them your spirit. Have them look in the mirror today. Find something positive to say about themselves so that they can turn around and say something positive about their neighbor or their coworker or their friend or their children or their spouse. Because Father, we will never, ever overcome the negative things that are happening every day around us until we start an encouragement revolution. God, we ask this today. We need your help. Guide us with your spirit. Because we can't do anything without your strength. Guide us today. We ask this in his name. Amen.